bananas. All right, everybody, welcome back to Triple Feature. My name is Emma. I'm Freddie. I'm Seabear. And today we have a special guest. Introduce yourself. Cameron Hodge. Okay. <laughs> it's um, very Edna mode. Edna mode. <laughs> and guest. <laughs> so um, that is a very special person. My husband. <laughs> My husband. Like it or not. <laughs> like it or not. <laughs> My husband. Um, we've been doing a lot of my wife's. I've heard. Um, oh, Cameron's been listening to the podcast. You've heard my you've heard the my wives? <laughs> so Cameron's on this episode today because the title of our episode is the movie that Cameron picked. Uh, so if you haven't been paying attention Pure to the podcast like Cameron has, um, this month of February, we've been having our significant others choose the movies for February. Um, so just to recap, Tasha started us off. Tasha is Sea Bear's lady. Uh, she picked... <laughs> The Devil Wears Prada. Uh, lovely episode. We had a great time talking about that movie. Great movie. Gotta say. Yeah. Love Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, it's a great, great movie. Great insight. Our man, our man on the scene. <laughs> five Love five. it. Uh, and then uh, the second movie of the month was chosen by Faith Ann, who, cho- who is Fuerti's wife. <laughs> My wife. <laughs> um, King and of the castle, uh, King of the they castle. picked The Little Prince from 2015, which was also a fun so episode. Little. Another five out of five. So far, Freddie has given both of those movies five stars. Five stars, Angel. Oh, five stars. Which I didn't get to see Stay last Stay tuned. But I would love to see that movie after listening to the episode well i'm not listening to the episode but listening to y'all introduce the episode okay yeah um and then yeah so cameron picked portrait of a lady on fire from 2019 um so later on we're gonna talk about that movie but let's hear about what we've all been watching starting with gunner Seabear, what have you been watching lately? I took a trek to my local Cinemark. Shout out to see the re-release of Dune in IMAX. Oh, boy. The biggest screen possible. Shout out to old... Yeah? Was it a Dolby theater? No, this is the... Yeah? Because Dolby and IMAX don't mix, right? No. AMC is Dolby. Yeah. AMC are the only people that do Dolby. Uh, Dolby is just basically a 4K projector, and you get the best picture quality and stuff. But it is a big screen, but it's not the biggest screen like IMAX. Uh, The theater I went to, it's the only largest uh, IMAX screen, uh, true IMAX, not LIMAX, in Illinois. Limax, yeah, iconic. So it's pretty much seeing Dune the way that, Uh, yeah, 
It's the it's Industry pretty much the way term. that Denny probably wants people to see Dune. <laughs> oh, yeah, shout out to old people. Shout out to old people that go to the movie theaters because when we get there, movie's supposed to start at three ten, doesn't start till three forty, and this guy was pissed at every single movie trailer that kept going to the point <laughs> where I didn't know this that they were gonna show up behind the scenes of Dune two, and when it said, "Hey, stay tuned after the movie," the guy goes, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> Oh I'm like, oh man, this guy, this guy doesn't want to stay here. Oh, credits brother, roll. This guy stinks. <laughs> yes, this guy. Credits about roll. His business. And the person behind me leaves, and I'm like, did he not read? And it starts playing a behind the scenes featurette, and the old guy starts to get up to leave until Denny shows up and goes, "Hey guys, it's me, Denny. This is my favorite <laughs> scene from Dune Two. Uh, please a take a look." Canadian and we got accent. to see, yeah. Like we got to see a full like ten to fifteen minute sequence wow. of of Dune. Damn. That is and so, so badass. Like, yeah, and the dude was about to leave, and once when that happened, he literally went back to his seat and watched. And I'm like, I, shout out to I this old seated. man. <laughs> like, like the power of cinema. <laughs> like at first he was like a hater. Now he's like, you know what? They they got me. So I'm hoping to see him opening night again. You had uh, me in the first we, half. We exchanged numbers. <laughs> Um, but yeah. You other than that, digits? I watched. You no, know, damn, <laughs> that would be funny though. <laughs> um, <laughs> but other than that, I watched Fight Club because I'm still on my David Fincher uh, watch through. This is a rewatch for me. Uh, it kind of solidifies for me that Fight Club is good, but it's not as good as I thought it was in high school, and that's probably a good thing. Yeah. Of just it means like that you have understanding <laughs> exactly. Understanding and it's something where I'm like I don't really care for Fight Club now. I still recognize that it's a good movie, but it's something where I'm like I, I don't like the way that this movie has aged. Yes. Uh in in the in the presence of culture, not, you know, in itself. Um but it's it's fine. <laughs> then I watched two short films. The Last Repair Shop on the Oscar short on the Oscar list. This is on Hulu. This is a very good documentary. A documentary that you go, why the fuck is this not everywhere? This is about a music repair shop that repairs music for schools in California, and it's the only repair shop in the country that does it for free. Hell yeah. So that no nice. children has to, you know, pay any fees and stuff. And it basically just talks about how Music just kind of changes, you know, not just children's lives, but the people that work there's lives and stuff and this whole narrative of of all that. And basically, again, like this narrative of like, why isn't this everywhere? But we live in a country that doesn't support that kind of stuff, except one place in California. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then the the other one, the other one, sorry for my pronunciation on the first name. Um, they're both Chinese. It, I believe it's Nani and Wapo. I believe it's place places and faces. This is on Disney Plus. This is another Oscar documentary short. Uh, this is what I believe will be the the front runner to win, or at least I hope to win, because I want to see these old ladies storm the, the stage. Animated category. Nope. This is a documentary sh- uh, short film. Oh, it's a documentary. Live action. Okay. Yes. Live action documentary short film. And it is 
so good. I want them to win. I want to see these old ladies rush the stage. They're so funny. <laughs> They're so great. The, like um, I, I, I love, I love this documentary, and it's something that everyone needs to see. Out of all the short film documentaries to see, it's that one. Please. Yeah. Every year I watch all fifteen short films nominated for the Oscars because the Detroit Film Theater in the Detroit Institute of Arts, the museum that's in Detroit, always plays them. Uh, has like huge ma- Freddie, you've been to some yeah. of these showings and Cameron, you've seen some of these as well. Honestly, um, it is criminal how difficult it is to find Oscar nominated short films though. If you don't live somewhere where they have a showing like what they do. Yeah. The usually, DIA. I mean, usually I mean, AMC will do something. I mean, you, if you live in a pretty big city, you're likely to find these showings. Um, but if you don't like, yeah, it's going to be difficult to find like them. a solid a solid amount of people in the country. Yeah, a lot of people are, are not going to be able it. to see I, all of these. I so. maybe saw uh, the only time I ever saw Oscar nominated short films prior to moving out of the UP was if they streamed somewhere for some reason, yeah. and that was like not very maybe often. two of them yeah. a year out of yeah. like the f- like like twenty that get nominated. Yeah. Well, for the Detroit audience, they. Uh, Start at the DFT uh, Friday, the sixteenth of February, which, as of recording, is tomorrow. Um, so for the we'll Chicago seeing... audience, for the Chicago audience, same date at the Music Box Theater, they will be also showing all of the short films at the Music Box Theater. And like Emma was saying, at your local AMC, will also be doing it at certain points before the Oscars. Yeah. So yeah, I'll be seeing all fifteen of them soon. Go um, see the shorts. See the yes. shorts. I honestly love also, watching the short films. I love it. Like, it's one of my like favorite I said, parts of the year. Last Prepare Shop is on Hulu and might be on Disney Plus because they're kind of the same thing. But the the other one that I just mentioned is also on Disney Plus. Very good. Um, um and then the last. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna. I was I was looking up the short the short oh, film. Yeah. Um, and then it, it says that it's like Taiwanese, but okay, that might be yeah, a distinction I, you need to make. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry if I screw up everything. They don't really go into much about about that kind, like where they're from and stuff, because it's mainly yeah. just about old, old, old age. And cool. stuff. okay, um, cool, but cool, then cool. the last thing I saw, because after this recording, it is past of valentine's day i thought fuck it it's been so long i've been buried with this burden of not seeing eternal sunshine of the spotless mind oh my god i love that movie so much i have seen the director's other film be kind rewind a billion times (laughs) and that is my like biggest thing of like well i've seen his other films so like why would i need to see his other (laughs) this one the jim carrey one um but after watching it now my letterbox review for it is that it's a gentleman scott pilgrim it's a more sophisticated (laughs) more adult version of that yeah definitely Uh, got manic pixie dream girl vibes from kate winslet in that yeah it's like my biggest takeaway from it is that it's very charlie kaufman 
because uh, it is written by Charlie Kaufman. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Charlie Kaufman had more input on the movie than the director after also seeing Be Kind Rewind. And I do think the directing in it is very good. I just think that the movie is more of a collaborative process. And I don't think it's as like, oh, this is this dude's like style. Because you don't really see it a lot in his later work. And so it and you kind of see a little bit of pieces of this also in uh being John Malkovich and then it's also written by Charlie Kaufman. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, I have a feeling that this dude just like is a really good writer that just gets on set and just gets into the director's head of like, no, this is what I want it in it instead of just giving up a script and going here, make it into yeah. a movie, which is, and he's also you know, a director. Yeah. Himself. You know, that has a lot to do now, with it. Yeah. You could, you could, you and could, so, yeah. you could apply auteur theory to Charlie Kaufman as yeah, well, was what it sounds like we're getting to. Yeah, and with that, it's just like it's. I I thought it was. It's a like when Aaron Sorkin movie. writes a script but doesn't direct it. It's an Aaron Sorkin movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought the movie was fine. I feel like I was too late now to watch it. I mean, I feel like most movies are never too late, but I feel like for me, it's like because I've seen Scott Pilgrim and because I've seen like other movies, I'm like, well, I'm like. Maybe, but I do think it's very good. It's just something where I'm like, I probably won't really think about it as much because I, I like being John Malkovich more because I the, the main takeaway I got from the movie is I liked the whole sci-fi aspect of it than the Jim Carrey relationship aspect. Uh, I wanted to learn more about that and the inner workings of that than the rest, but towards the end, it, it, it won me over, but... Uh, the the main thing is Mark Ruffalo, uh, a gift to Earth. Oh, <laughs> just very true. An amazing, amazing human being. But yeah, that is what I watched this this week. All right, Freddie, what have you been watching this week? So, in my long, long list of recently watched movies, I have. Damn, it says on the docky of ten. Damn, that's crazy. We added a zero on there. Um, So (laughs) anyway, uh, my movie that I watched outside of Portia of a Lady on Fire was um, Fry Bread Face in Me, which is a Netflix, um, a Netflix movie. Let me get my, um, let me get my little my little deets pulled up here. Should have had them beforehand. It's directed by Billy Luther, and essentially, it is a movie about. It's an indigenous film, and it's about a. It's about this young boy who, basically, like he's growing up in the city, and his parents decide to send him back to um like back to the reservation that they grew up on um for like a brief period of time so the story follows this this period of time that he is like back on the reservation and like meeting his extended family and like making like like forming relationships with these these parts of his life that he's not really had a connection to before. Um, so there's like a couple, you know, there's a couple big characters. Um, there's like two older cousins that they're adults, 
one of them is a one of them is this woman that she's kind of considered like the outcast of the family um but most of that has to do with the fact that she is like the most emotionally mature person in their family and then like another older cousin is more of like a like like he's like he's like a ranch hand basically like he rides bulls and he helps the family um you know with their like sheep that they herd um and then he meets fry redface which is another one of his relatives that is like around the same age as him mm -hmm. um and like they follow their friendship but like she has a like a she has a much stronger connection to the culture um than he does mm -hmm. and so like he's learning a lot of things there there's a lot to talk about in the movie itself um but i don't want to give away too many spoilers but it is a movie that <laughs> made me weep Aww. openly um and there's just a lot of stuff in it that's like really uh, like really close to home in a lot of ways yeah um there's a there's a specific scene sure. that happens like a quite a bit of the ways a bit of the way into the movie um where like the older male cousin is like basically trying to teach him how to be a like how to be a man like this is why you got sent here you 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 were sent here so i could teach you how to be a man basically because like this main character is very queer coded okay um and so like they start out like the movie like with him talking about like playing with dolls and like making up like storylines with these dolls that he's playing with and like putting them like in romances and stuff um but there's a part where he's like basically teaching him like how to do some of this stuff around this farm specifically there's like this fence that he's got to fix and so there's a scene where it's it's basically just him yelling at the kid <laughs> and i'm like watching this movie i'm like oh well nice. um but there like immediately after that he is talking to the other older cousin and is basically you know explaining like he like he just wants me to be um like he just wants me to be a man like he keeps telling me like i gotta be a man this is how you be a man and you know if if this is what being a man is i don't want anything to do with it and he's like really upset and like the way that this scene plays out in the movie I'm like I was like on the edge you know when you're on the edge you feel like you're you're like I could cry at any moment but I haven't yet oh my god <laughs> this scene happens and I am like I am like sobbing and laughing uncontrollably yeah. at like all at the same time and Doing I'm just like things. sitting there watching this movie like I, 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 I don't know what and it's it's a very good movie it's so good so definitely recommend it's on Netflix go watch Fry Bread Face and Me and support some indigenous cinema 
like I've said a thousand times and will say thousands of more times. <laughs> Love to hear it. We just it. canceled our Netflix. We just canceled our Netflix <gasps> subscription. No. Yeah. Um, we'll probably be back someday, but not anytime soon. So um, I've been doing a lot of, you know, catching up with Oscar nominations. Honestly, I'm, I'm at this point where I'm basically waiting on movies to come to theaters to see them because I just like I've watched all the things that I can stream and uh, the teacher's lounge is a movie that's nominated for foreign language film or in international features the category and it's from Germany and it came in theaters and I was like oh I gotta go see it um, and I really resonated with this movie. Um, let me kind of set the scene for you. It is set in Germany. It is set at a middle school in Germany. And um, the, the premise is this uh, string of thefts have been happening at the school. And it's from the perspective of a younger teacher who is also Polish. And so there's kind of like this like cultural thing happening and like, you know, there's history between Polish people and German people. Um, yeah. I wonder what that could be. I took a whole class about it. Yeah, Don't just class. a little class, just a little, just a little history there. No, but yeah. um, so she's Polish, but she's also very young. And so she's kind of like trying to do things um, her own way, but also trying to be like um, really empathetic towards her students. Um, and so I can't really go into a lot of detail with the plot because that's basically um her trying to figure out who's doing the stealing, figuring out who's doing the stealing, and then figuring out how to essentially handle the matter. And this movie resonated with me a lot. Um, I, I was a teacher at one point, very recently. I chose to leave the profession for good. Um, I wrote about this movie at length on Letterboxd. So I have given my Letterboxd account to you before. But if you're new to the podcast, you can follow my Letterboxd or find it. Um, my username is just Emma Hodge, my first and last name. Um, and read my review for The Teacher's Lounge because I go into a lot of depth. But really why this movie resonated with me is because it articulates the deeper seated issues for why I left um, and um, really just hit a little too close to home. So um, I really enjoyed it. I recommend you going to the movie theater to see it because I don't think you can stream it anywhere yet. Um, so yeah, I also watched a movie that's nominated for documentary feature, Bobby Wine, the People's President, which is on Disney Plus. And um, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, basically, I just think the whole world is being held hostage by old people who refuse to give up their power. Um, and this movie is about that happening in Uganda. So um <laughs> Uh, I also watched a movie called Suncoast 
on Hulu. It is from this year. It's from 2024. It, it was a Sundance movie and it um, is now streaming on Hulu. It's about a high school girl in the early 2000s whose brother is basically in her, like her young brother is in like end of life care and Suncoast is the name of the facility. Um, pretty, pretty good. I mean, I don't think that there's like anything to really say about it. It's like your typical like drama, uh, family drama kind of thing. Um, and then the last thing I saw was uh, what I saw last night for, because as of recording, yesterday was Valentine's and Cameron and I went to the movies on Valentine's Day to see um, David Lowry's A Ghost Story, which actually came out in 2017. AMC, AMC and A24 have partnered for the month of February. They are re-releasing four uh, of their movies called the I think it's called the Lover series or something mm. like that. But what's really funny is the movies that they've chosen for this Lover series because it's Pearl, yeah, a Ghost Story, The Lobster, <laughs> and uh, The Lighthouse. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, not your typical, like, romance What do you movies. mean? I think The Lobster is <laughs> the most romantic movie. Honestly, yeah, first, the date, the most first romantic. date film. I, I think out of those four, The Lobster is the most romantic, <laughs> romantic but it's also super twisted. Yeah. So, anyway, um, I'm going to let Cameron kind of talk about his thoughts about a ghost story because this is that was a rewatch for me. And um, I guess the only thing I have to say about it is I think I liked it a lot more the first time I watched it. Yeah, I mean, uh, just to kind of have the same somewhat sentiment, um, I think if I had seen this movie when it came out, what was it, seven years ago? Yeah. Um, I probably would have liked it more. I, I, I had that feeling while I was watching it. Um, it also didn't help that the night before I watched the movie that we're about to talk about <laughs> for significantly longer, uh, the one mm -hmm. that I picked. Um it, and it honestly it's a lot to live up to yeah for sure um quite a bit of it honestly kind of reminded me of the movie like uh, of portrait of a lady on fire i while i was watching a ghost story i was kind of thinking like oh these like long shots are very like similar to some of the long shots that are in portrait um but uh i i thought a ghost story was good um i honestly didn't love the song that the movie was kind of centered around. Yeah, hinges on a song. Um, but I did re-listen to the song today, and I was like, it's not bad. It just doesn't. I, I don't think it fits the movie. I see. I, I don't. I don't think it feels believable that he wrote that song yeah. in that house at that time or whatever. I don't know. I mean, it's always possible, but it didn't seem like. You also said you thought it could have been a really good short film. Yeah, I, I definitely think there was like. 45 minutes they could have cut off um because and it's I, only it, a damn. 90 minute movie <laughs> right it, it was damn. a 90 minute movie and i was like this would have been a really great 45 minute movie yeah if you took like certain like like total themes of the movie have either of you seen yeah. a ghost story i haven't yeah <laughs> okay but it's Anything been else? like since it first came out so i don't really remember anything in that movie 
it, it, it's such a slow moving movie. There, like, yeah. there's very few things that actually happen. It's it's, a, like. it's like a sequence of long takes. Yeah, and that sounds like my it sounds like movie. Freddy's I, bread and yeah, butter. I remember, <laughs> I remember watching movie. that, and then it comes. It comes at night. That I love. It comes movie. at night. And so I I liked that one more than a ghost story. So yeah, I think a ghost that's story why, like, isn't. Whatever I think, that's why when I think about a ghost story, I'm like, oh yeah, it's. I I think about it, it comes at night. It just reminds me when I was a kid and I was like, oh, I love Halloween Town, but I'm thinking of Hocus Pocus. Like I oh. just kind of get the two confused because I watched both of them at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh and yeah, they're like roughly the same. For <laughs> reference, a ghost story is not a horror film at all. It's more of like a love yes. story. And like a haunting from the ghost of the from the perspective of the ghost mm. instead of like from the perspective of the haunted. Yeah. So um, it's like the sixth sense. I'm just kidding. It's not. Do y'all do, spoil- <laughs> do spoilers? We don't for, do spoilers for recently watched for, for ten old movies, ten year old. No, movies. we don't do spoilers unless it's the topic of the show. So I Cam know. Cam likes and Cam's like this could be a good 45 50 minute movie. But Cameron, do you know just what's to let you know, get you a good Cameron, just to let you know, movie. we have done spoilers from recently watched. I do remember. Yeah, but we try not to do it. I, I, I'll just say, yeah. if anybody wants, anybody listening, any of the listeners want to know what I think that they wrote on the paper, message the pod and I'll respond. <laughs> okay, okay. That's, I, that's kind actually, of Actually, shout spoiler. out your Instagram. Yeah, shout out your Instagram. He doesn't I, have Instagram. Yeah, I have oh. an Instagram, but I haven't been on it for uh, years. No years. social media. Yeah, there's or a lot no of way to contact I, you. There, I've got a TikTok. He's on TikTok. There, there's a lot of unseen okay. memes from me on Cameron's Instagram. He's on TikTok. What'd you say? There's a lot of unseen <laughs> memes from me in your Instagram DMs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Freddie didn't know I wasn't on Instagram for a long time. <laughs> One day you'll log back into it and I'll be like, "Damn, there's like fucking there's ninety like messages." One hundred messages from Freddie Dakota. <laughs> Um, uh, digital Ness. Digital Ness 343. <laughs> Look at me. Oh, geez. Right. No. But do you know what? Oh, geez. Do you know what would it make a good 45 minute movie? I could watch five hours of Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Hey, Look at that transition. So, transition. This is the topic of our show. Tots, tots. tots. That's gonna be really bad on the recording because it's gonna be like lag. Shots. Everybody. Anyway, um, all right, 2019's Portrait of a Lady on Fire, directed by and written by Celine Siama. This is a French movie this is french as fuck we which like it i like i I hardly even think of it as no because no because literally when we started watching it on tuesday we had a movie night with freddie and faith and our friend cassidy because we've been trying to get cassidy to watch this movie for months um to get people to see it yeah so we finally got everybody in one room to watch this movie and i'm like firing it up and cameron goes aren't you gonna put on subtitles i was like babe it's in french that's just part of the deal <laughs> and he was like oh i kind of forgot that it was in french yeah he's like i didn't even think about that honestly this would be a fascinating movie to watch just with the subtitles turned off you're oh like i don't understand it like, for real so little of the movie is needed through like understanding what they're saying. I disagree, but I, we're I, gonna I, get I into that. Writing, yeah, but that's we'll just good. That's just good fucking filmmaking. Yeah. The writing is phenomenal, but so much of it you can just see 
happening. Yes, you can see it on screen without even hearing it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, it's French as fuck. It is French acted, French directed. It is set in oh France. And specifically, Brittany is where it's set. Um, and um, this Shout is girl. a romance. So it's kind of like perfect that... I mean, you didn't do this on purpose, honestly, Cameron. Like, you picked Portrait of a Lady on Fire because you love this movie. This was the one movie I would have picked if given the opportunity to talk about a movie on a podcast. Yeah, Yeah. it could be October. Yeah, and this would still be. I would have been like, let's talk about Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah. Have y'all ever seen that? Yeah. But we. Anybody else that's listening to the pod, just watch this movie. Yeah. Like, you should. (laughs) Yeah. Like, we watched it the day before valentine's Valentine's day Day. and now we're talking about it as of recording the day after and it does just feel like a pretty great valentine's day movie it is a romance um set in the late 18th century kind of like transitioning into the 19th century um about a, a female painter whose you know traditions were passed down to her from her father who is commissioned to paint a portrait of a wealthy lady in who lives in this kind of like beachside uh, cottage mansion in Brittany. And the reason why she's been commissioned to paint this woman is because um, her name is Eloise. The lady is named Eloise. The painter is named Marianne. And Eloise is... Uh, engaged to be married to a Milanese gentleman who she has never met and, and knows nothing about. It's an arranged arranged marriage. It's an arranged marriage. And so she has to paint this portrait to send to this gentleman. And if he likes it, then she will be sent to be his wife. Um, that's That's what the mom said. That's what I clocked on Tuesday. Yeah. The mom does say like he has to like this portrait. Yeah. Which is why it's like very important to like get her likeness and like get her personality through the painting. Um, and uh, but also make her look really beautiful because yeah. like you and, and I don't think the actress who plays Eloise needs any help looking beautiful. She's gorgeous. Both of these women are just impeccably yeah. gorgeous. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and so, I mean, these two get... women, as over time, fall in love with each other. Um, and I think what's significant is um, Eloise is a very stubborn woman. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to be painted because she doesn't want to get married. Yeah. Specifically to somebody she doesn't know or love. I don't, I don't even know if that's... I don't know that she doesn't want to be painted because she even signs off on the fact that Marianne is going to paint her. Yes, but we find out at the beginning that Marianne has I don't, been. I don't. I don't see. I don't see Eloise as stubborn. I see her as like, like very excited to try new things. Well, okay. I love. I love this conversation. <laughs> um, yes, like she's a lively person. Those aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. But I do think that she vocalizes to Marianne after a while. They have become, they've become companions. She does vocalize that she does not want to 
get married to this specific person yeah. because she doesn't know him or love him. But that's not the same thing as wanting to sit for a portrait, like a painting. Okay, but, but so the at the beginning, is like so, the, I, I, I understand that's like fully the theme of like that's what sends it off. And that's what yeah. kicks off the marriage or whatever. Yeah. And it's like the conflict of like, I'm falling in love with this woman as I'm painting her. But the more I paint her, the more I lose her. Yeah. Like as I finish this painting, she will, I will lose her to this man essentially. So like she, there is that conflict there. But I think um, like I, the reason why Marianne has been sent is because there was already a painter who tried to paint this portrait of Eloise and she refused to sit for him. Mm -hmm. She refused to sit for this male painter that had already been. And so now the mother wants uh, Marianne to pretend to be a companion and go on walks with Eloise, but not give away that she's painting her. So she, she basically wants her to try to paint her without even seeing her. Or, or I guess without even having her sit for her. Just yeah. kind of like memorize her face. In secret. In yeah. secret. Eloise finds out eventually. Um, and then there's like this romance between these two women. They form a bond with each other. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of the main summary of this movie is is this conflict of painting this person and getting it right and doing it well, but also as you're doing it, you're also just like kind of painting her away, essentially, away from you. Yeah. So there's, I was, was going to go say, ahead. I wrote, I wrote um, when I was taking my little notes when we were watching it, I wrote down um, the painting representing her loss of self into a marriage she doesn't want. Yeah. So it's like, it's almost like, well, I know that this you know this painting is basically like the deciding factor on whether or not i am going to be the person mar like being married and like also she didn't want to she didn't want to be married she wanted to she was she wanted to run well she wanted to run but then it's like the only reason that she's getting married now is because her sister killed herself yes like because her sister didn't want to get married to yeah. this guy which and is, so now it's that like wasn't in the summary yeah but. we yeah we kind of missed that part hopefully everybody's seen the movie if you're yeah <laughs> well honestly i deep diving we always it. deep dive into the tot show so if you've seen mm -hmm. this movie great if you haven't go watch it and come back and listen to us but yeah. that is like but a big sister plot point kills herself she, eloise had had a sister before her who killed herself jumped off a cliff but she killed herself because she was set to be m married to this person yeah but like so much of this is like like we're we're talking about things almost out of order yeah in the fact that like the way that it's like laid out like you're learning certain things yeah. that like i guess looking back on the movie you can make all of these kinds of assumptions but you don't see it at the beginning and i think that's yeah. so much of the beauty of the film is the fact that you learn from the get-go of like there's just this woman that needs a portrait painted yeah. or whatever. And then it's like, oh, you're picking up on all of these pieces. Yeah. And same thing with like 
the sister killing herself yeah. and you can continue from there pretty much. Yeah. No, but well, I, I mean, they do say that pretty, that's like, they bring early, that up but, early on. Yeah, because it's, it's early, like, but I think to your point, like they kind of build up to it mm-hmm. because she finds out that the sister is killed. Like, no, she finds, she finds out, out that the, the sister has dead. dead, has died, has dead, <laughs> has dead. And then she talks to the mother and the mother's like, um, I haven't been letting Eloise out of the house. Yeah. And she's like, why? And then she goes, I wasn't wary enough with her sister. Yeah. And then Marianne asks the house servant. She was like, what happened to this? Like, you have to tell me what happened to this sister. And then she said she jumped or she said she she fell off the cliff. And then I saw her mangled body below. And then um, the maid said, I think she jumped. Yeah. And then Marion said, how do you know that? And she said, because she didn't cry out. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like information that's kind of like, and that's why I think the script and the the, the writing is so well done. Yeah. Um, because you could have just said like, oh, I thought she killed herself because of this. But like she meant to jump because she didn't scream. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, that's, that's, you're right. Like it's, it's like kind of like giving you little bits of information as you go well because there is also that scene of like eloise like the first time she's like had the opportunity to run in years <sighs> yeah it's literally the first time that you see her as she's like running you see the back of a cloak mm-hmm. and like this is the first time you're introduced to her on screen and then like that hood falls off and you're like oh she's got blonde hair and like you're thinking as the painter which is like the only person you've really been introduced to at this point mm-hmm. Like they're thinking of like, oh, I got to paint this person and she's just sprinting off. But also you think she might jump off this cliff. Yeah. And she's running out and then like she turns around and you're like, oh, so this is Eloise. Mm -hmm. And then like each like. And she says, she says, I've always wanted to do that. And Marianne says, die. She goes, no, run. Yeah. Yeah. Like every time like Eloise mentions anything, she's like, I've never heard music. I've never swam before yeah like she's like a she's like i don't know if i can completely innocent like figure in this and like her reasoning for not wanting to marry this guy is like completely founded because she like as she's talking to marianne she's like what do you know about my husband and she says he i know that he's a milanese gentleman and eloise goes that's all i know too yeah so like wouldn't that scare the shit out of you if nobody was telling you details about this guy right and i think ultimately she leans into it because that's like where her trajectory is leading and also because marianne doesn't stop her but also like so many other things but and, and marianne is also pushing her to do it and so is her mother and so is everything else but like, I, and that's kind of what I mean by she's not necessarily stubborn. She just wants it to be on her terms. Exactly. Like, she's, yeah. she's willing to get her portrait yeah. painted if it's by this woman and she gets something from it. And that's like, that's exciting and fun for her to experience in her life. Yeah. yeah it's like she stubborn, hasn't lived up to this point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, like the, the entire concept of like the lady on fire. Is the fact that like she's like stunted by all the systems and the trajectory that's been set for her life. And she's like figuring it out that like she doesn't have control of her life. Like everything else, all these systems and 
like her parents and her family and everything has been put in place like this is your life yeah and so like you can you can fuck it up however you want to do it but it's like these this is the the setting that you've been given and that that can translate to anybody that's like watching a movie i feel like yeah i think you're right i mean when um eloise and marianne are talking about music and how eloise has never heard an orchestra she's only heard organ music and marianne is like well, I can kind of like it's really hard to relate music. It's really hard to describe to somebody what yeah. an orchestra sounds like. So then she tries to play like Vivaldi's third or whatever on the piano. I don't know if that's the correct like music, <laughs> yeah, but I'm just like, that's the first thing that I pulled out of my head. Um, <laughs> but she's trying to play it on the piano. And then like Eloise is like, is how, how would you like, is it Mary? Is it a happy tune? Is it Mary? And she says, it's not Mary, but it's lively. Yeah. And the, the, when she said that, I was like, that's Eloise. And then like as she's like Eloise is it, not Mary. She's lively. Yes. Mm -hmm. And as, as Eloise is like hearing it, she's like sitting there just like taking it in. And then she starts to smile for yeah. the first time. <laughs> she's like, oh, this is. I this like is this. Fun. This is I now understand what lively is or or yeah. I now like this is something new. This is experiencing <laughs> something like that I haven't experienced before. Um, so good. <laughs> it's summer by Vivaldi. Oh, so That's it was it Vivaldi. Is. Yeah, no, you were right. Wow. You were right on the composer. Oh, I pulled that out of my ass. <laughs> yeah. Damn. It's this it's part yeah, of Jeopardy the four <laughs> the four seasons. The four seasons. It's so, mentioned in the yeah, I think mm -hmm. it might have been mentioned. So this is very much a period drama. And I beg to differ, honestly. So let's talk about that. So like what makes this a period drama versus not a period drama? Because I mean, there's I don't want to make too crass of a joke, but there is a <laughs> there's definitely periods in this movie. Yeah, it is a period piece. <laughs> there are more ways than one. There are pieces of periods in the movie. Yes. Um that being said, um, I, I like I really I don't see this as so much of a period piece. I think what what the period piece aspect of the movie does for the movie is distill like the entire cast, like the character base. You don't need a ton of people because they essentially live in isolation. It's just like three women that are in this house for a couple of weeks while Eloise needs her portrait painted while she's yeah. waiting to see if she gets married. Um, so it's something it's like, it's like something that could technically be set at any time. Right. And, but also the other side of that is I like what, what's really what, what makes it work is the fact that she's a painter yeah. and not she's not a photographer. She's mm -hmm. not anything else. It's like it, this is a specific time where people got their portraits painted yeah. and anybody that's painted has studied like artworks in museums like paintings of portraits and you go and you like see these paintings and what's on screen is literally just a recreation of the most beautiful portraits still lifes landscapes that you've seen on canvas painted by oil, oil painters at that exact same time. Like, yeah. I, I feel like it's fitting for the... It is fitting for the time. For the story, for the time. Yeah. And it all just... Well, it's I like... Mean, I do think it is reliant on the time, not just because it is a painting and that's very much like timely, but also because this is a story about 
two women, one who has been arranged to be married, which is definitely something that's a little bit more set for this time. Mm -hmm. But also it's two women who fall in love and know that that can't happen yeah. in that time. And that, so they're they're uh, almost they're almost like doomed lovers. I still think so much of that happens today. Oh, yeah. for sure. Right. Oh, for sure. But what doesn't happen today is like paintings. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, I think and that's I, what makes it. I think the the time the the time pe period is almost like a it's almost like a silent at like it's like a silent element of the movie because it is yeah. like it is aspect. Also. It's a visual aspect, but then it's also like it like the time period just like we know as people living in the current era 2024 2024 compared to then like we know the like just overarching like super oppressive patriarchy that these three women are isolated from over the course of this movie like that exists outside of the realm of this movie and i mean obviously like it still it still takes place but like we know we know the time period like we know the time period so we know like like what is happening on the other side of this ocean basically <laughs> that they're on this island in, right it's um yeah in france yeah and so it so is it is in, have, it is interesting i did like what you were saying I about the painting though with say. the let's hear it yeah i have two things to say about this topic that can get into another topic the first one is that i the period piece aspect is is that it's a period piece but it's more of peer, period fantasy it's not necessarily a super like we're getting this right historical drama type of thing that you would see this more feels like a the joke letterbox review I would have put is that this feels like what you would see at a Barnes and Noble that a 40 year old mom picks up to read <laughs> that like this feels like the oh. closest <laughs> thing that you get to a romance novel that is like adapted very well. That like the other joke I was gonna be like is like Fifty Shades of Grey wishes it was this seductive, with like how great it it like approaches like romance and love, yeah. But like th well, even the thing with that that goes into point two is that my point goes with a review by Lindsay Zaldes, a New York film critic, at the New York Times. Or, uh, yeah, New York Times. She wrote that in her letterbox review, uh, it did not occur to me until the final sequence of this remarkable movie that it was a historical, it was set in a historical time. Basically, it's like you get none of the usual period pick hints meant to show you. No obligable references to kings or wars. No obvious recent inventions. No title card at the beginning of the film to let us know that it's 1728 yep. or 1801 or, God forbid, 1917. It's not until when she's looking at the paintings that my C-plus at best world history brain perceives noted that the world I've already spent two hours immersed in, the men are wearing powdered wigs and tri-cornered hats. And that would suggest 19, uh, 1780s. Damn. And she goes on to basically talk about how that you don't get stories like this with women. That even though the movie doesn't show us any of that, that it takes a man's fashion 
and not women's fashion mm. to pick up on those subtle details. Damn. And that she even goes in further saying the tone of this film seems strikingly modern. And I wonder if that yeah. is because it's only been very, very recently that we've gotten that we've begun to tell and listen to stories of women's lives and everyday realities out in the open. That this is so something good. where <laughs> goes into the timeless aspect of that. So of good. the For fact sure. of like of like it needs to be a period piece in the sense that it because it needs to be a story that is hold. And that's where I think it adds to that period fantasy of something where women, not just women, but people in general attach that kind of fantasy to that. That yeah. like, yes, this story can be told in 2002, but it wouldn't hit as hard, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, like sure. we said, with just an like, oh, they're taking, <laughs> they pull out their, their their Kodiak film camera and take a picture of me <laughs> with yeah. bright lighting. The fact yeah. that it is so seductive with the paintings and everything yeah. oh that my God. adds to that adds to that relationship that that you would see and, just and how long adds, it takes to paint like painting is time. such a long process yeah. and so their yeah. intimacy comes from just staring at each other for mm-hmm. hours at a time and that's that like one of up. my that's yeah. one of my favorite lines in this movie is Marianne is like painting Eloise and she's like I know you so well you do this because of this and you do this because of what because I have been staring at you every day for hours and mm-hmm. and and Eloise goes, if you're looking at me, what do you think I'm doing? Yeah. I know you just as well because I'm looking right back at you. Yeah. And I've been watching you for hours every day <laughs> for, you know, the last two weeks. And uh, it's so a, good. Like, um, uh, I don't, yeah. I'm just thinking. I well, think that, yeah. So I just think that um, this movie, to your point, Connor, about like women's history and not getting a lot of films like this in period settings because usually yeah. period setting movies are very much like about historical figures yes and so a lot of you know in history a lot of historical figures are men because that's who's been in power forever um but i think what i i mean pride and prejudice is something that comes to mind because pride and prejudice is very much like a female-centered movie mm-hmm. um even though it is also a romance with a man but um i one of the things I loved about this movie was not only was it written and directed by a woman and the two stars are women, but for the, like, f- this, this movie is two hours long. I would say for an hour and 45 minutes, there are no men. Yes. No male characters at all on screen. And that is rare. Yeah. <laughs> to the point where we were watching and we got to the point where um, Marianne comes downstairs and turns into the kitchen and there's the guy sitting at the <laughs> table. And I was like, oh, my God. scared me. Oh. <laughs> that was spooky. What is it? What is <laughs> oh, that? That's a guy. That's a man. Well, I wasn't <laughs> used to it. <laughs> and it stops her, too. Also has the same visceral reaction. Yeah. She's like, oh. Oh, a dude. Something has changed. (laughs) It's like, oh, shit, I forgot you were real. (laughs) No, no, but I just think that that's like, especially like when they go to the meeting at the fire Mm -hmm. and it's just all, it's just like the women of the community meet and gather and like talk and gossip and sing. 
That was the first time I cried uh, two nights ago. Yeah. Literally, that music like Ooh. ramps up the, the humming to uh, the like very slapping. slow, yeah. like singing and harmonizing and yeah, the fire. And, and that's literally when she, Eloise literally catches her dress on fire. Yeah. And she like looks at Marianne and is just like, are you going to put me out? And Marianne's just like <laughs> looking at her like, oh my God. I'm in love with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, you are radiant. How, am I, how, <laughs> you are. I, how could I possibly capture you through paint? Yeah. Like so much of yeah. the movie is also just about like. The insufficiency time. of art. <laughs> and, and yeah, like, well, you've moved, you've changed, you've adapted. And you're different now. So, like, I'm painting you in this moment. and But what does that represent? That represents a moment in time. And, like, what? That's the memory. And we haven't even oh, talked about the story. We haven't talked about the story, but it's fine. Um, yeah, the writing's ridiculous. The writing the is so ridiculous. Um, I guess, yeah, we should probably talk about the story. <laughs> the Orpheus story, which is, like, integral to this movie. Which is, um, they they spend a lot of time together, um, and they, uh, <clears throat> it's Eridice yeah. and Orpheus. They spend a lot of time together, and they also just, like, play together. They, like, play games, and at one point, Eloise is reading from the book that Marianne brought with her. Right, and that was one of the very first things that Eloise says to Marianne. It was, do, do you have any books? Can I borrow it? Yeah. She's <laughs> just been trapped in this yeah, house, she, unable to do like anything. She's a, like a blank slate yeah. when Marianne meets her. But it is so beautiful watching Eloise read this story because she's reading it. And it was like, Cameron, what did you say? You said movie night. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah, we kept saying like game night when they're playing poker. And then it was like they're reading yeah. this story. And they're, it's like movie night because we were all sitting around like me and a bunch of my friends were watching this movie. And it's like, it's movie night. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, with the time, like she's reading the story and, she, and Marianne already knows the story. Mm -hmm. But the maid does it and she's just like, she's like watching Eloise read with like, what's going to happen next? Yeah. It's just, it's wonderful. But it's this story about um, Orpheus and Eridice where Eridice gets bitten by a snake and spends, uh, has to go to the underworld and Orpheus has a chance to save her if he doesn't look at her. Mm -hmm. But what ends up happening is Orpheus turns around at the last minute and Eridice falls to her death. Yeah. Uh, okay. So this this like plot point is used incredibly well in this story because it mirrors Eloise and Marianne mm -hmm. in the same way of <sighs> they talk about they talk about their theories they they're they do what we're doing right now <laughs> yeah yeah they're um, literally discussing the book yeah. they start a podcast life. right in the middle of the yeah. movie it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like I'm just chewing this podcast pod up. Yeah. Podcast night. Podcast, podcast night. night. <laughs> podcast night. Uh, brought to you by BetterHelp. Movie night. Yeah. Podcast night. But Maybe they're like, we'll watch Portrait of a Lady on Fire for eight hours instead of going to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I'm uh, gonna give some context to what he just said because. He watched this movie. I watched this is one of the last movies I watched you before the pandemic. 
This is one of the first film, one of the last films I watched in theaters before the world shut down in 2020. And so I watched it in February 2020. And then we had COVID and then we had like George Floyd and like protests and shit like that. And I got to this point where I was like, I feel like I need to go home. Like I like fly home to Texas because I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this again. I was I was going through it, y'all. <laughs> but um yeah. Uh give me one second. Um while I was home, Cameron decided to watch Portrait of a Lady on Fire because it was streaming on Hulu. This was this was the time where every movie that came out in 2019 and 2020 just went straight to Hulu or Netflix or whatever, HBO. And he sent me a picture of himself crying because he was watching this movie. <laughs> and it took you, how long did it take you to watch this movie? Would you say eight hours? Yeah. <laughs> um, he just kept pausing it, like just stopping the movie and watching it. And why did, why did you want to stop it so much? So I could see it. Because of what it looked like? Yeah. Well, that's kind of like a big part of this movie. And like our relationship with the movie, I guess, is like, yeah, I think it like became, I don't know, I don't want to like, I think it became one of Cameron's favorite movies because he's, I mean, like, yeah, like I think the cinematography is a lot of what makes this movie so visceral and the storytelling is done so well through the cinematography. Um, so yeah. Let's get um, into it. Yeah, I Let's mean, get into the cinematography. That's what I want to do. Those fucking dolly shots and steady can't like long shots are so fucking good. Yeah. Oh my god. The like behind the back shots are so good. Like by like the fifth one I'm like, dude, they someone called the dinkster. Because we got a new cinematography on the hands. <laughs> the dinkster. Did somebody God. ring the dinkster? The dinkster. Because, like, holy shit. Like, like, I am on this person's radar for now on for cinematography. Because, like, this is You mean they're on your radar? <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm on all their radars. They're I'm on, on theirs. Yeah. I'm hoping they're on mine. I'm hoping everyone's on. on yeah. Yeah. Hoping every radar's on. No, yeah, those Shout are out Claire Mathan. Most, Claire Mathan, okay, another woman. It was just like a bunch of women on set, probably. No, but um, yeah, there's a lot of times where uh, they're just like doing like these these women are just like doing very mundane things in the house, and it's just like every single frame, if you if you stop it, <laughs> could just be a painting in a museum. And I think that's really cool because it's that's what it's about. It's about like painting and it's about art. And they they I don't know how they did it, <laughs> but like the way that it's lit specifically, I'm thinking I about say. pretty much every time that they're in the dining room and like the stove, basically the fire where they're cooking is like lit behind them. It I mean, it looks like a Renaissance painting like every time. They talk about this on the Criterion Edition. I got this from the library, which had the Criterion Edition. That's what we watched. I did not. And so on the Criterion Edition, they have an interview with the cinematographer breaking down 
everything that we are just talking about. Yeah. Would, <laughs> Pretty much of, yeah, exactly. of her going like it is. They did look at thousands of Renaissance paintings yes. <laughs> and basically tried to mimic it. Yeah. And it's crazy. Try to did it. <laughs> go to that. Yeah. And then her modern style of introducing that with what I referenced before with those takes and all that kind of stuff. And then even the lighting of like using real candles and all that kind of stuff. And it is very good interview. All the behind the scenes featurettes on the criterion channel are the channel. The criterion edition of this movie are great. Please. Yeah. I, I'm definitely like this movie. I'm watching this. Please watch them all. Yeah. We have the criterion collection. We own it. And that's what we watched on Tuesday. So we need to get into that for sure. Um, but yeah, I do think that the, uh, just to come back to like the erudice Orpheus point of like being kind of like the major theme of the story, which is, um, so, so yeah, they, they start podcasting about it. Right. And uh, they're talking about, that's a joke for the audience um they're talking they're just kind of like breaking down the story like what they think about it and i think it's um i forget who it is if it's eloise or marianne or the servant i don't know her name i don't forget i forgot her name the servant's name but um i guess they're just talking about like why they think he did that because if he hadn't have looked at her if if orpheus hadn't have looked at Ariadice, his love then she might still be alive and he could have saved her if he had just not turned around to look at her and they're like talking about why why on earth would he do that and like there are reasons that he would have done that um you know to get a last look at her he was yearning to look at her because what if what if she died anyway and he didn't get that last look and he was just he couldn't wait to see her that kind of thing just because he loved her so much but then eloise says what if she told him to turn around? What if what if it was her that forced him to look to turn around? And then at the end of this film, freaking this get this is like what kills me every time is Well also, yeah, Marianne says right before that, she says it was the lover's choice or, or it was the poet's, the poet's choice, choice. Or, the, or the lover's choice. Yeah. Yeah. Servant's okay. name is Sophie, by the way. Yeah. Um, great, Sophie. Um, so yeah, so she so there's they're saying Orpheus made the lover's choice, which is to, to look, look at her even though it might mean losing her forever. I yeah. thought it was I Oh, maybe I maybe I was remembering it backwards. I thought it was that she said that he made the poet's choice instead of the lover's choice. I don't know. Because it, it was, because she was saying like it was don't look at me you know he or like he oh god well isn't that the same thing the poet's choice or the lover's choice so, like getting to like well, getting to remember about, her like getting to remember her one less time he's as choosing, she is that's what they say yeah. he's choosing the memory of her yes yeah that's what it was okay. So then we get to the end of this movie and the portrait's finished and the mother comes back to retrieve Eloise to take her to Italy and they spend their last night together and then basically they show the mom the portrait. She's like, this looks good, taking you to Italy and um, gives her, is that her wedding gown or is that like her like wedding night gown? 
it it definitely the, felt like I, I when I was writing about it, gown. I was thinking like oh. it definitely even if it's not necessarily her wedding gown, it visually gives you that emotion though when you're oh, seeing it. Oh, it's all her about being it. married. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't necessarily think it matters. It didn't look like a wedding dress from that time period. It looked more like like sleepwear. Yeah. And it was supposed to be like kind of like a private moment of the mom gifting her with this. But she's wearing this long white, you know, just lacy chiffon kind of like uh, gown um, towards the end of this movie. But what's significant about this image of her is that we have seen it before. Mm-hmm. We've seen it twice before. I, I This time I wrote down the two times that she saw this image of Eloise. Um, in both times, she's thinking about going to see her. Right. Um, So, oh, the first time is when they went out to the beach and they kissed for the first time and then Eloise ran away. Mm -hmm. She comes back to the house, Marianne does, and sits down and eats with with Sophie. And she's like, but but Eloise is not there. And so she thinks that Eloise has like run away or like or has like kind of like withdrawn into herself and is scared or whatever. Yeah. Um, but Sophie tells her Eloise is not coming to dinner. She doesn't feel feel well. And of course, Marianne's just like, shit, shit, we shouldn't have kissed. Like, this is wrong or whatever. Um, and then she goes up to upstairs to go to bed, looks left to Eloise's like quarters where she would usually be sleeping and sees this image of her. Mm-hmm. And it looks like a ghost. Yeah. Like it's very ghostly. It's very like mystical. Right. And then she turns into her own quarters and Eloise is standing there waiting for her. Yeah. And this is like their first night together. Um, the second time is on their last night together. Um, they make love and they talk about, you know, not wanting to go to sleep because as soon as they go to sleep, like that's the end. Um, and Eloise goes downstairs to get like tea or something in the dining room yeah and then as she's walking away the figure appears behind her and she looks back and sees it and it's the same like ghostly look of her yeah and then eloise's mother sends marianne away she's like your job is done here's your money marianne goes to leave and eloise says turn around mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm gonna cry <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It gets me to die. I've seen this movie a few times. It's fine. <laughs> Reliving it is breaking my soul into pieces. Um, but yeah, it just mirrors that Orpheus story. And Marianne chooses to turn around and look at her. But really, honestly, yeah. it, the door just like shuts. And and it like makes her disappear into the darkness. Yes. Like the shot stays inside the house but when the she door look, closes. When she turns around and looks at her, that's what she sees is that figure that she's already seen twice. Yeah. Well, it's like she's being it's like she's being haunted about it's like she's being haunted by the inevitable fate of what's going to happen <sighs> with that. Yeah. But and that's not the end of the movie. No, it's mm-hmm. fucking not the end of the movie because the next two scenes are literally the end of my life. <laughs> You're like, wow, that was such a good movie. This is like, roll credits. But no. no. Wait, we've got so much more to share. Oh, so basically Marianne fucking <laughs> the, 
This movie can go to hell. Give me the heartbreak encore and give me this a second one. You want me to break it down? Hell. Um, I, I got myself together because I can talk about the ending. Shit. Uh, so basically, the ending yeah, is Marianne saying, I saw her two more times, and she shares the two last times that she saw Eloise. <sighs> Let's turn to page 28. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was obviously <laughs> referenced earlier. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, Connor, do you want to reference the last two scenes? I was going to say, if you want me to do yeah. it so you don't I need continue to recover. Because, <laughs> yeah. So basically what happens is is that she goes to this exhibit. Is it for her, Cameron? Is it for her paintings? Or yeah, is it just it's for her a paintings. museum? She has yeah. some showing. Then, she painted two. Yeah, she has a yeah, showing. Like so that. And then she walks by and she sees a painting from someone and it's uh her. It's uh, Eloise. And yeah, she, she like, looks at she it like and reads a pamphlet or something. She sees like uh somebody's like Yeah auction sheet or whatever and like sees like a title and, and we don't know what the title is or whatever but she runs over to see the painting and when she yeah. sees it it's basically a painting again everyone should see this movie but it's a painting of her in you know in a nice dress and then with a child so that you know that they've consecrated their children marriage. with <laughs> yeah like they they're they're basically living their their life she's living this life with this man and she kind of looks at it as like not damn but like all right i guess she kind of moved on like okay but, but as she's she? like <laughs> thinking that as she's thinking that she looks down and sees what's in her hand and it's the book that she gave her turned to page 28 and page 28 that is later significant it, because yeah, in the movie they talked they talked about it of like page page 28. Which well, like, that's so much of the movie is like it, the writing in the movie yeah, is, is yeah. very specific. Oh. Um Eloise picked a number page number 28 when Marianne is drawing herself in the reflection of the mirror that Eloise yeah. is holding for Yeah, she holding. she is drawing a portrait. Holding very sensually. <laughs> it's my Propping it's my favorite. Up. That's my favorite shot of the whole film <laughs> is uh yeah, so Marianne is painting a tiny portrait of Eloise to remember her. No, she's painting a portrait of herself because No, Eloise... but she's painting Eloise first and then Eloise is like, "Well, I don't have anything to remember you by." Yeah. And then she says, um Give me, give me a page number. Opens to page twenty-eight. There's just enough blank pa- uh, paper of, on page twenty-eight for for Marianne to draw a picture of herself right. in the book, and she uses a mirror. She props it a ba- basically against Eloise's vagina, <laughs> which is just it's just a shot of her body, which covered by a sheet, and then like like you can see the crease of her legs and her belly button, and there's like a little circular mirror right in front mm-hmm. of her vagina. And it is literally the most gorgeous she, yeah, shot in the whole movie. Herself, it, and you can see the reflection. Face. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's how she's like. Oh, that's how she's seeing herself. herself. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's insanely beautiful. Yeah. It's so pretty. Uh, yeah. Because so, you, yeah, you're just good. seeing her face perfectly in there. So on page 28 is basically a naked picture of Marianne. Yeah. For Eloise to remember, remember her, her by. by and and obviously even though she's married and has a kid she thought 
enough. And she knew. I'm going to she, be sitting for this painting. But also she knew that Marianne would see this That's portrait. I mean. Yeah. So yeah. she's going to be there yeah. and like, or uh, ideally would come across it at some point. Or at the very least, this is hopes important. that she will yes, see that exactly. portrait like, This is at important some point. enough for me to sit yes. for a 20 hour painting that, and you get this book. And you hold yeah. that page number open. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, like I have a message mm -hmm. to send out. And it's like, it, like you never forget the people that you've loved in your past and you've continue <laughs> to move on and yeah live a new life and all that kind of stuff like it's just so poetic but that's not even the last scene <laughs> <laughs> yeah because saw i her saw one her one more, more time, time. <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god you want to break it down connor <laughs> yeah so she goes to a concert hall to listen to classical music and then yeah she sees her across Good the God. way hoping hoping to look at her but then we just get this nice long shot of Eleni's listening to the music but to, listening to Vivaldi's summer yeah yeah but with with that of like for I guess most of the audience of like half thinking about you know her past lover but also what i got is also finally listening to the music yeah. that she told her all about that is in this city yes and so it's a little bit of a lot of emotions of just like yes wow this music is beautiful but also fuck this like it's like it's like what we're saying of like you never forget those kind of memories of like there might be like you know an old Bruno Mars song where you're like fuck that was a good summer yes. <laughs> of like you know yes. O ten that like comes up but like it's these little things that spark those those memories and for her it's <sighs> that music for for the first time of like yeah just and getting that huge emotion and we're watching Eloise cry as she's listening to Vivaldi Summer through Marianne's perspective because mm -hmm. Marianne sees her, yeah. but she specifically says she didn't see me. Yeah. And uh, she's and what else are you going to do? You're going to watch this person that you loved for for like <laughs> it's like a five minute shot almost. Yeah. It's definitely not past tense for either of them. No, they still love each other yeah. very much. Yeah. So that's. The, the, that's the themes of um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah. God, also, yeah, I will say I love that. Time, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, get into it. Yeah, I don't know. Mirrors are in it a lot. Yeah, mirrors, seeing well, yourself because, and other well, people. Yeah, and mirroring each other, and that's mm -hmm. part of love. And also time and the way that like, like, do you have the time that you're like? Are you in the moment? Are you seeing that person, or are you like? thinking that you know that person mm. and not necessarily being in the moment and like even yeah. their memory of loving each other um something that i something that i really like and i'll <laughs> bring this full circle this is a full thought um i like that the cinematography like like so much of the cinematography is meant to be like interpreted as like POV, like a lot of the cinematography is like her, like it's like we're like studying this person in the same way that like she is being studied to be painted. Yeah. So like half, like when she's only, when we've only really had like 
close-up shots of like her face and hands like those are the only two parts of this painting that are done um and like you know the more like over the course of the movie like you know she's been studied more and more but what i think is really what I, i what i really enjoy is that um like they never show they never show her paint portrait of a lady on fire like Uh they introduce it and they never like they don't go back to it because in all reality like the movie is the 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 movie is everything you need to know about how she painted portrait of a lady on fire like exactly that's that's what it is and like so you're getting like small versions of this and then you like you get to the end of the movie and it's like if you're not thinking about it Mm -hmm. it's like well why didn't they why didn't they talk why didn't they show her like actually decide to paint this portrait and it's like you You just fucking watched watched it it. you just watched it (laughs) all of it like for sure i do think time is a huge one too because they talk about specifically wasted time mm-hmm. and how much time they spent being afraid of each other yeah. not necessarily in like they they became really good friends before they figured out that they wanted to fuck each other yeah like and that's like a very crass way of saying like they loved each other like it yeah. wasn't just a physical relationship but um they they spent a lot of time becoming really close friends but they talk about how much time they wasted, how much time could they could have spent together as lovers if they weren't afraid to like take that first step yeah. with the other. Um, so, so beautiful. And just, yeah, I guess like the, the whole thing is about, a, a, um, yeah, like, like loving against the clock. Yeah. Of like, and what, what a, yeah. It, yeah, the time of like exactly being in the moment but also having a physical representation of that moment yeah and it like bridges those two like gaps yeah. of like but also like you're this person in this moment but it's like but i don't know you in the next moment i don't have you here now i'm not completely with you all the time and that's also why yeah marion doesn't say to stay <laughs> yeah. yeah like go oh. and that's why she goes and that's like everything i don't know yeah so, I mean, we've done a lot of this already. Like, we've we've talked in depth about the movie, but um, usually we kind of, like, talk about, like, our favorite moments and quotes and, like, things that we liked about it. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think one of the... I mean, I'll start with one of mine, I guess, which is we did talk about, like, women, obviously, and, like, them being central figures, but also, like, the only figures in this yes. movie. Um one of the moments that i love is the abortion scene of, that's the that's the part that that's the first part that i cried on yeah <laughs> it's, yeah it's very i mean like because it is a it is a movie that's about a specific time um and like how women supported each other and helped mm-hmm. each other during that time because if you know like if you think abortion is something that's only been happening recently, yeah. like it's been happening since the beginning of time. I love when and, they first address it and yeah. they say, are, are, when was, or, or she, they're talking about when, her period. Yeah, yeah. Marion is having her period. And mm-hmm. Sophie says, I haven't had mine in three months. And like Marion's like, shit. Oh, uh, shit. And she automatically is like, do you want a kid? She's like, no. No, like, let's figure out how to get rid of it. They immediately start doing stuff yeah. of like, okay, well, let's take care of it. Yeah. yeah. Let's run. Let's like take this like this like potion kind of thing yeah. to like 
or but but the abort they they eventually go to um a woman who does this for the for the women in the town yeah. and does this but what i loved about it is how i mean as we've said eloise is a blank slate like she is she is zoned in on this like she mm-hmm. is like oh my god this is like the coolest thing i've ever seen well, cool, and like i have to she's be. very interested in she's it. she's present like, she's yeah. so interested in what's happening and marianne like they're they're like with sophie in the room and marianne kind of looks away and eloise is like no look at this yeah because like yeah, I just think that I'm going to cry again. But yeah, you you said you cried. But, yeah. you know, like it is just like that's kind of like why I like wrote down in all caps like women. Yeah. Like just like well, it was just really beautiful to like watch that and how it looked at, in that time. Mm-hmm. And then they recreated it with a painting. Yeah. Like yeah, Eloise was document yeah it's important to document like women empowerment and that's the thing it's like this is this is the only visual documentation of anything at the time period and that's why like the portraits are so significant because like people that exist back then most people don't have portraits of them and as far as like visually as far as like visual distinguishing goes like there are millions of people that have no documentation of what they've ever looked like the but, entire time they were alive. But the fact that that's such an important procedure. Yes. And they go back to the house and recreate yeah. it. Even. And it's like, it not only is it important, it's 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 such like an unspoken ma- like fact of life. Like Marianne says that she's had one as yeah. well. Exactly. Yeah. So she's like, and I like, already know this. I don't want to see it. Yeah. And Eloise is like, look at it. It's also probably like traumatic for her to watch yeah, it because sure. it's something that she's had to do. But for Eloise, it's like she really is just like zoned in on it. And so much so that she can't go to sleep. She's like, I, I can't go to sleep until we document Let's this. Paint. Yes. Let's paint it. Let's yeah. I'm gonna recreate this scene and we're gonna paint it because it needs to be down for yeah. history somewhere. It needs to be somewhere besides my head. Yeah. And like yeah. that and it the kind of comes back yeah. to like the whole like it's it's kind of like what we were talking about. A lot of these patriarchy conversations that we've been having, um, <laughs> like when we were talking about poor things, <laughs> yeah. where it's like, like um, Eloise doesn't have the like Marianne, like she's had it, but she's she's also like been in like quote unquote like the real world yeah. for a lot longer. So it probably it's like even if she's even if she's thought about like I would I would paint this. It's almost like the societal pressure of like, why would you paint this thing that people aren't that at least men aren't well, supposed to know is happening. To your point, and like she talked about how least, she's not allowed to paint nude men because yeah. she's a woman. Yeah. But she does it in secret. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. She can she can at least practice it. She just has to pretend that she's her yeah, dad. She has to- yeah, she has to <laughs> pretend she's her dad. Um, yeah. But then like, you know. Yeah. And yeah, she, exactly. And so like Eloisa, like she doesn't have that societal conditioning and yeah. she's like, of course, like, why would you not want to capture this? This is yeah. one of the most like impactful um, things I've seen. Yeah, like yeah. It, it, it like incredible like life moments yeah. I've ever seen take like I've been present to witness to witness women helping other women yeah and that that's empowerment is like helping each other oh mm-hmm. well, shit yeah, even like she's like showing her how to mix colors yeah and on her palette yeah You're like you can do this yeah mm-hmm. um 
yeah, so there's that. I also, I mean, for a cinematography note, besides the mirror on the vagina part, <laughs> I really <laughs> like when it's their side profiles, when they're standing By on the, the cliff. cliff. Yes. And you can only see like Marianne's profile until she looks right at Eloise. And then you can see part of Eloise's face. <laughs> and then they both look away. And then when Marianne looks again, Eloise is already looking at her and then they yeah. look away from each other again. It's like they're trying, you know, it's like when you have a crush on somebody yeah. and like you don't know if they have a crush on you and you're kind of like, do you like me? Like, um, But like the way that it's shot and the way that like her face blocks out Eloise's face. Oh, my God. It's such a great it's such a great moment. Yeah. It's so relatable too. like it's that's one of those that's one of those moments where it's like not about the time period at all. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot, um, of, of moments and quotes that I liked. Yeah. I put, I put the quote, I wrote it down in quotation marks. He doesn't make the lover's choice, but the poets. Okay. There There you go. I'm glad you wrote it down. Um, there's so many good things, but um, Eloise says a lot of good stuff about like loneliness. Yes. Um, and she talks about, I mean, like if anybody knows loneliness, it's Eloise because she, I mean, before Marianne got there, she was trapped in her house, unable to read, unable to I go outside. Grew up in a convent or whatever. Yeah. And she had just got out of the convent. Mm-hmm. And she, the only reason why she's not in the convent now is because her sister died and now she has to get married. Yeah. Um, and so... She is very sheltered, Mm -hmm. but she's asking questions about like, you know, loneliness. And I think Marianne says like, you know, maybe you can go on your walk tomorrow by yourself because it's freeing. It can be freeing to be by yourself. And then she says, being free is being alone? Question mark. Yeah. Like she's actually like, what do you mean? Like I... I have been alone for, for years and I have felt the most imprisoned. Yeah by by my aloneness but then later she says she tried it she's like i did try i did try your your loneliness and she said in my uh she said i uh she said something like um i felt the freedom you talked about mm-hmm. but i also felt your absence right mm-hmm. uh, <sighs> uh, <laughs> um one of the one of the moments that i liked it's not a quote but it's when it's when she um when Marianne comes up from the dinner that Eloise is not at mm-hmm. and oh, they exactly. first like <laughs> they first like they're not kissing but they they have like interlocked necks uh-huh. basically like they're they're like tr- they're kissing each other's necks i guess they're doing a lot of touching yeah but the shot the shot is composed so like when they first do it and she like leans it like Marianne leans in um, like their heads very deliberately make a heart shape, oh. like their two bodies, like <laughs> like connecting. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and, it's and in that moment, so she says my other favorite line, which is, "Do all lovers feel like they're inventing something?" Oh yeah. God, what a line! That's one of the most romantic lines I've ever heard. <laughs> um, yeah, the abortion scene was big for me. Um, yeah, and then I was talking about the the ghostly figure, um, but then like the the painting is like pretty much done, and 
and they're like kind of looking at it and Eloise says how do you know it's finished and then Marion says at some point we stop yes I wrote that one down as well yeah which is part of the time aspect yeah and it's also like like borrowed time that they have together and they know it the whole time that they're doing it Mm -hmm. so yeah um any other moments Uh, that we want to bring up I just also want to re-reference like at the very beginning like Marianne I I feel like we haven't hit on the fact that like she's like she's in a boat by herself with like her like painting stuff Mm -hmm. and she like capsizes or something and she's literally just like on the water like floating on her painting supplies Mm -hmm. and I'm like yeah okay so this is like essentially how you're kind of introduced to her and you're like okay so this is all she has at this point is yeah yeah and no, like no story so you're learning her but then she also like says when um the mom says something about you're actually not going to get to paint her directly mm-hmm. she's like you're you're going to have to pretend like you're her companion and she says um she's like oh well it, it'd be easier or like it, it, it's easier for me to paint or something like that she's like it, like that sounds like a lot harder job for me to be a companion to somebody so she's like this like emo kind of yeah. like woman who, who she's like not she's oh. like I, I'm just a painter that's all I do like I've already had a hard life and that's kind of like you you're kind of introduced to her in this kind of like way yeah. and she's not like it's not about her being interested in just like, oh, I'm going to like find love while no. I'm painting this person. But then like as she's discovering what's happening, she's like, oh, shit, I am falling in love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's almost like she was like adverse to it yeah. because of the life that she had lived before that. Yeah. yeah. I think well, it she's helps had to be too so... that when she loses her paintings, it's in the boat full of men. Yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's, it's men bringing her to the shore yeah. and they don't even flinch that that stuff goes overboard. And she like, jumps oh, out of the boat and gets it. And then because they're like annoyed. She jumps out of the boat because, yeah, they're annoyed because like to her, that's, that's like her job. this is her life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's her job. Like this is like this is everything to I her. I think she like even looks at them so, when it falls like, is nobody going to go get this for me? Okay, yeah, fine. And she's I'm like, going to go get it. Yeah. Like this <laughs> like, is fuck. the whole reason I'm on this boat in but, the first like, place. But men, they're like, yeah. you're a woman. What do you have to do with like, you don't have a job. You don't have a purpose in life. Yeah. Like, it yeah. just kind of reminded me. You don't me, matter. Your, your things don't matter. What you have to this do movie, doesn't matter. You know? The, the, the reason why like that review of the person not knowing like what time period it was I was talking about it with Tasha because I was trying to explain to her like why this movie's so good that she needs to see it. I'm like, and I was explaining that review and I'm like, the thing is, is I'm like, you'll clock it right away as someone that is a Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> like like mm-hmm. expert because I noticed the trifle hats right at the beginning and I'm like, oh, that's East Indian Training Company time. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh boy. <laughs> like, like I, rub- I don't know exactly the year because I failed history as well, but I know it's around that time. And to that credit, it was like when she jumped off, it, it has a lot of similarities to Elizabeth Swan and Pirates of like, this girl that like why that character was so interesting in pirates is because like it it, like everyone treats her as just a girl like you're supposed to get married you're supposed to do these things and then she ends up becoming a pirate at the end of the 
the trilogy mm-hmm. of films. Yeah. But but with that, it's so defying. It's so like out of pocket, out of character. Like even to the point in the third movie, they make fun of it. Of she's the one with like thirty guns in her dress. Yeah. <laughs> that when they're that patting scene. her down, that that it's like it it's like all the men are like oh, well, like, why would she have that many guns? Because she's a woman. And it just, it kind of felt the same thing. And when the boat stuff off, it's like, why would you care about that? Like, you're just a woman. Like, they probably thought it's like every joke of like, it's just full of pretty dresses. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Like, oh. She's like, no, the, I if I if I lose this, I can't do this job. I have nothing to paint on. <laughs> yeah, there's no on point of me coming to land. Away. Yeah, yeah, like, we might as well yeah. turn back. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, Any other moments that we liked? Yeah, I was going to say the other thing was the end. I, I, the very beginning and the very end, that very last scene of just watching her listen to the music for mm. the first time in an orchestra, like was what was being conveyed to her and watching her experience that in real time as the music yeah. plays. And it's just like, and you're just listening to it and it's just like slowly zooming in. And she just like starts to cry, and I'm just already crying. Yeah, it's 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 similar powerful. to similar. I mean, and then just I think this. Black. I think it's a better <laughs> final scene, but it is very similar to "Call Me by Your Name." The way that that movie ends. Has anybody ever seen that movie? No. Um, okay. No. Well, oh, I also okay, have so another. I also one. have another movie to reference in regards to the scene. But it, as it well. has a very similar final scene of like mm-hmm. just a very long take of Timothy Chalamet crying. Mm-hmm. watching the fire and then the credits like roll over his face as yeah. he's just crying uh so I, I saw that in letterbox it was like call me by your portrait on lady on fire or something. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um i was gonna say that last scene specifically reminds me a lot of uh, satin tango like oh, yeah. satin tango is full of shots that are like that where they last very long Which and like the camera just like yeah. It, and it's just got like movement through the whole thing. I'm like watching. I'm like, this feels like this feels like a Bellatar yeah. moment right now. Where it's like it's just we're watching it, and the camera is just continually getting closer and closer. Like the more emotional she's getting, and we're getting like really like what engrossed in just how like how overwhelmed she's getting by this music, and it's like it works so well. It encapsulates the entire movie. And it encapsulates like all of life mm-hmm. at, at, at the same time. Like she's literally just experiencing this song that everybody knows Emma just called off the hip that like nowadays, like we don't even think about, but she's literally hearing an orchestra, like 200 people sitting down playing instruments individually for the first time. Live music is powerful. And y'all. you watch her experience <laughs> yeah. this and she's just crying. And that just is like, so like, all-encompassing of like reality i feel like yeah it's it's very relatable i mean just getting to experience like good live music but like for her like she's she's almost just like this sheltered person Mm -hmm. that like imagine never hearing um trying to think of like really good music from like now imagine imagine never hearing hearing, something for the first time yeah never hearing like (laughs) live music and then you or it's you it's not like even live fest. music. It's just <laughs> you, you she's like I've like never a jazz heard band or something. Yeah, like, I've never heard music cool that's shit. not. I've never heard music that's not related with like <laughs> gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Church bells. Yeah. yeah. Organ music. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. For sure. Um, do we want to get into our ratings? Only, 
Sure. A faith had a little. The only thing I was going to bring up for moments is just the the ghostly figure. <laughs> I kept laughing every time it came up because I'm like, this feels like a Camaro de Toro like shot. <laughs> just mm-hmm. like it, it yeah, just could take like something. Yeah, she was like, how do they it, do that? I no, knew that wasn't real. No, she what she said was like. She goes, that doesn't seem real. And yeah. then her, like, yeah, as then she, she said disappears. that, she disappeared. She was like, oh, okay. I was like, yeah, that's on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. My, my thought was just like, I was like waiting for like a from dusk till dawn, like kind of twist of like, it just goes straight up horror from now on. Yeah. Like, oh shit, she wants the house. Like, she is a ghost. She like, six cents. But I was like, no. Yeah. But I was like, no. She's been dead. But, the but whole it was just time. like, those, she is her sister. The second, the, the second time. time you see the ghost, I was like, like I was like oh man this it's just kind of funny it, it just kind of made me giggle a little bit yeah. just the way the lighting was yeah um I'll was there anything else you were gonna say Connor was that it no that was it I just wanted to bring it yeah. up because when we originally brought it up it was on a serious topic and I didn't want to be like yeah hey this scene made me giggle <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know I wanted to let you guys talk <laughs> yeah so I waited for the end <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll I'll do my rating first. Yeah. And I'll give my rating with a little piece of Faith's insight on the movie that she had mentioned after we got back to okay, our I wanna, place. I'm curious because I need to hear this. Because she was talking about um, kind of like what we were talking about with like the time period and like obviously like this is a gay relationship and that would in no way uh, be accepted, accepted in any way, shape or form at the time. But the thing is, and it's like the whole kicker with the fact that it's like everything gets bookended by men. Um, Literally the only men are at the beginning and the end. Yeah. (laughs) And so, but it's like, realistically, they know outside of the realm of this island in this period of time, like their love isn't going to be allowed to exist. But like she was saying like with the scene with the fire scene like not one woman at that fire scene would judge them no in any no, like no. at of all of course not yeah like, of course not and so and it's because, just like, like the societal rules that we have that are anti lgbtq mm-hmm. are from the patriarchy yeah <laughs> from men <laughs> fucking men <laughs> no i no as as a as it from that perspective from a female yeah. perspective i can a hundred percent agree that like the nature of women is like upset acceptance and yes and love and uh yeah so it's like that's val it, it doesn't matter the time mm-hmm. it doesn't yeah. matter the time like yeah i fully believe that like all of those women would be like that, yeah that- go for it <laughs> Yeah, that mindset is universal because, unfortunately, that experience is, like, universal. Yeah, and it's also, it's the same thing with, like, Sophie needing an abortion and Marianne just innately being like, okay, well, do you want it? But also, like, Sophie knowing that they're having a relationship and just being like, okay. Oh, for sure. So, they're not, like, telling Sophie, but Sophie knows. Yeah. That's that's also, like, like... we were talking about the movie being like a quote unquote gay movie. And I'm like, it's not. Yeah. It's because really just about love. Exactly. It's yeah. never discussed of it being gay. Like, like Eloise yeah. w- doesn't even know that that's a thing. Mm-hmm. She's just like, well, I'm here now. And this is the pre- like she lives so much in the present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this is just my first experience connecting. of love. Two humans yes. The emotion. Exactly. Yeah. So you're rating. 
I do like um, that point of view, though. Yeah. Thanks, Faith. Um, thank you, Faith. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, who's who is uh, that? We, who is Faith? My wife. Who's uh, <laughs> your wife? <laughs> so Emma loves that joke. Um, we we. Just wait we till we discuss women. Borat on the podcast. Oh, God. No. Stay tuned. <laughs> I like how I say, we, uh, we love women. And Borat. It's like, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, yeah, Very we, nice. love women. We, we love women. We love this movie. It's a tree out of tree for me, baby. Five out of five. Five out of five. What he means by three out of three is three every single peep. movie that we watched in February, he gave five stars. Yeah. The three the three time. Yeah. Three times. Five out of five stars. All right, see Bear, let's hear it. I would like to preference to the audience, once again, I am quiet on this episode because like last one, I would like to hear more of other thoughts mm-hmm. than mine because I felt like I can't really express this movie without more intelligent uh, people. Not to say that I'm dumb. You're not dumb. But just the biggest, the biggest people with more experience with the movie, more experience slash like we were kind of talking about this before recording, but like, I don't really care for period pieces. Period pieces are not my like go to movies. Um, because of the fact that I also don't really like fantasy westerns. I don't. I don't really care for a lot of like old history. My my biggest my biggest genre is sci fi, and I like sci fi because I like to imagine the future versus what the past was. Future because a history. lot of history is repeating the past, and so I would like to envision the future then looking back on the past but with that it's a lot of getting into more like therapy of it i feel like i put up this wall for these types of movies because i feel like it's trying to be too smart than me Mm. um something with like the old english or you know just it being in the past like that and things and so when i watched this movie i was like i really enjoyed it i really loved it it didn't feel like to, to get to, it didn't feel like it was isolating you as an audience member like or alienating no. you as an audience member because it was like set in the past. The emotions no, are No, and it, and it's something it, it's something where like I would be honest like it w- it wasn't on my radar because I saw the trailers and I'm like, "Oh, it just feels like, you know, a Pride and Prejudice cuz I haven't seen Pride and Prejudice cuz boy, you know, it's just you need to it's watch just not Pride on my radar. And Prejudice. No, I, I have the like same we, prejudice against period pieces. He honestly. does. I yes, really he does. Do. Yeah, I do and, not like and it's most the same, period pieces I don't watch because it's a period piece. Yeah, and it's but the I same thing why I haven't seen feel like it. I haven't seen <laughs> Little Women. You're and prejudice oh, against you gotta, See, Cameron hasn't watched Little Women for the same <laughs> fucking reason. And I'm like, exactly. yo, it's Little Women. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> but it's also the reason why... In English class, I didn't like Romeo and Juliet or yeah. The Great Gatsby or same, like any same. of these any of these books. Oh, and it's just part of exactly part of it is because part of it is because I'm not a book reader. I'm a comic book reader. I like pictures. I don't really have imagination, and so like that's why I like movies. I like to see it versus reading it. And so with it, it's just like it. I feel alienated and stuff. But this movie, from the get go won me over because of everything that it's doing 
Yeah. And and so. and it's something where like <laughs> like Lord of the Rings where I don't really like attach to that movie, but I can understand like no, like that is a cinematic masterpiece because of everything else that it's doing. Just because it's fantasy doesn't mean that everything else that it's doing is like on a whole nother level. And it's the same thing with this movie. For sure. I'm yeah. going to give it a nine out of 10, but like I put in my letterbox review, nine the only reason why it doesn't get that 10 is because of the period piece and the, the script and, and uh, the themes and stuff. Meaning that I didn't really understand the story that you guys were referencing. <laughs> Ooh, Cause okay. it just kind of, it kind of went over my head because I'm like, Again, I put up this wall of like I I, I don't care. It's also like, in yeah, French, so yeah, you yeah. Know. Being yeah, in a different language French, is hard too. Yeah, so, and so it's just it's just a lot difficult for me. And so, would you but say I that did we, put, Would you say that us talking about it kind of like helped yeah, a little like, bit? Yeah, it, it helped, and this is like why I feel like. I mean, like, I can give Ashes and Diamonds a five out of five, but I feel the same way with Ashes and Diamonds, a movie I talked about before, the the Polish film, where I still have this, like, president of, like, someone needs to explain why I love this movie. Yeah. Like, someone <laughs> needs to explain, like, what what is there more than just the other stuff that I can get as a simpleton, <laughs> I guess? That, like, yeah, no, that's why it's good. And and that's what, it, that, that's what I meant with Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It's like, I need... The like I need like what happened last episode with the the little, uh, prince. The little prince with with you and Faith of like going more in depth about that because it's like now as an adult I kind of do enjoy it but like as a kid in high school and stuff I'm like I'm you know I'm a stereotypical boy where it's like I like superheroes robots you know monsters like I don't care about you know old but you're growing yeah I don't ca- I don't care you're about kings and boy. queens <laughs> yeah so, but like with this it's like it's not that like oh I'm reverting back but it is something of like I'm starting to understand more and the biggest compliment that I can give of this movie for people that may be wary that are like me is that this movie reminded me so much of the Black Mirror episode San San, Ju- oh, uh, San Junipero yeah San Junipero I, I had it I kept saying it in my head uh, San Junipero because of that of yeah, because of women how much women. love is there, yeah, and that and that in that because the whole time it wasn't because like we've said it at this episode is that this really isn't a gay movie. It is, mm-hmm. but it is just more about love and humans mm-hmm. loving and recognizing mm-hmm. yeah. that love that we it's are humans. So and with San Junipero, where it's not that it's a admit, gay movie. It's just a romance movie that yeah. has two women as the people that are in love with each other which I will honestly admit, is like where we should be yeah. getting to as a society is like not looking at queer couples as like oh they're gay but like yeah no they're a couple yeah love is an emotion yeah. <laughs> not an identity yeah because i will admit i didn't really cry in portrait of a lady on fire because of the walls of it being in french and not getting a lot of the 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 literal subtext of the film, but just understanding like the overall narrative. But Connor, she said, give... "Turn around." Every now I know. and then, I get I, a little bit lonely. I get she it. said, "Turn around." around. <laughs> Not gonna lie, what got what got me? What almost got me was the portrait with the twenty the 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 page that almost got me. She said, "But what actually got me to talk about what makes me cry is in the the Black Mirror episode 
because what gets me every time and it still shocks me because I'm like it's not even the end of the fucking episode is when she visits her and then like talks to the the nurse and it's just like I'm already like oh because it's that human it's that human connection yeah it's the thing that she does where she marries her so that she can go into the afterlife well the next time you watch portrait of a lady on fire you're going to cry (laughs) with this it's like i keep saying with a lot of these movies this is a twofer and i guarantee the next time you see me rate this movie on letterboxd it will probably be a 10 out of 10 (laughs) all right so nine out of 10 for now um uh, there is no question uh, as to what I would be rating this film. When I saw this film in the theaters in at the end of February, like literally two weeks before lockdown, um, it was at the Main Art Theater. And I watched those two scenes and I literally like I did this. <sighs> like I, <laughs> I literally like breathed for the first time in like five minutes what felt like five minutes but because i was just like (laughs) like just sobbing um yeah it's five out of five guys like this is a perfect fucking movie another one um it is literally um written and acted and shot at a incredibly masterful level and uh uh women women um uh, Emma shoved a mic in my face asking <laughs> for a review. A rating. Um, she, uh, Marianne said, I didn't know you were an art critic. And Eloise said, I didn't know you were a painter. <laughs> got her ass. She got her ass. So good. She said, I didn't know you were a painter. And we all went, ooh. <laughs> ooh, got it. <her. laughs> uh, it's a 10 out of 10. That's why I picked the movie. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it's the best. It's the obviously the most beautiful movie I've ever seen. Like there's probably mm. more like suspenseful movies or more what I, yeah. I I don't know, but this one is just so it's well had a profound rounded, impact so, on you. Yeah, for real. It's We got to send you some dinkster movies. Some <laughs> dinkster. He's seen some dinkster movies. Um I I'll, just a just a as we're as we're going out here. Um, not going out yet. If y'all want a, <laughs> okay, well then, go ahead. Companion piece, companion piece yes. film. I mentioned it when we watched it. Um, for anybody, if you really enjoyed this, you should definitely watch One Sings and the Other Doesn't. Oh yeah. By Agnes Varda. Yeah. There's a lot of similar. Um, there's a lot of similar emotions it's not necessarily a romance movie but there's a lot of like crossover and subject matter and like a lot of the elements that make this movie beautiful are in that movie as well and obviously it's agnes varda it's another french movie ironically yeah. enough yeah. but I mean, it is for sure probably influenced by agnes yeah varda they would heavily. be they would be phenomenal movies to watch back to back hell yeah well, that is three five stars and one four and a half star review of Portrait of a Lady on Fire. If that hasn't convinced you to watch this fucking movie, I don't know what will, uh, but it is um, criminally underseen, in my opinion. So that's the end of our discussion of Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Coming up on Triple Feature, um, you might call this group of people uh, wormheads. 
uh, <laughs> Dune heads, if you will. Um, we, we, we like Dune. We like the movie Dune. Uh, We're worm yeah. riders. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just call me. Let the spice flow. Yeah. My We're Dune. spice heads. My spice. My Iraqis. But we're the Spice Girls. We're the we are Spice, spice girls. girls. That's our name is the Spice Girls. Um, so <laughs> as you might know, uh, there is a sequel. I'm Sassy Spice. A, a part two, if you will, of 2021's Dune coming out shortly. As of recording, it's coming out in two weeks. Um, Freddie and I and Cameron and my friend Haley. Shout out Haley. Shout Haley out. is also- fucking flying to Detroit just to see this movie with me from Kansas City. So, Haley, you're a, you're a real one. You're a real one. Also, shout out Heather, listener of the pod, and Haley, shout out. Uh, but Heather, you definitely look like Marianne. Oh, yeah. You Marianne, do look right? like Marianne. Mm-hmm. We had that thought. Anyway, Heather listens to this a lot. Anyway, back to that. We're going to go see Dune Part 2 when it comes out. Um, Connor, I know you've got plans. You saw Dune part one recently back in theaters uh but our next episode in anticipation of dune part two we are going to be watching (laughs) and reviewing and talking in depth with guest joel again dune part one from 2021 mm-hmm. so y'all oh damn i saw the wrong dude ready for this <laughs> podcast this is gonna be the podcast mm-hmm. of the century the we yeah. might as well just scrap it like there's no reason to talk about any other movie after we talk about dune anyway just kidding uh <laughs> that's what it all built up to so just kidding because there's can. godzilla x kong so come on <laughs> so um it is currently streaming on netflix max and you can also rent this um on any platform and you can borrow it from your local library so hit it up um but yeah this, also is, check your this theater. is a big one. Oh yeah i would check say your, that too check your theater because not just like an imax re-release they could your local theater or so could do like a you know dune part one leading into dune part two yeah. i know a lot of double feature movie studios do that yeah yeah so check your Check your local listings. And yeah, so we're, we're getting excited for that release because it's a big one for me specifically, but it's a big one for the podcast. So yeah, watch Dune Part 1 before next the next episode. Do it. And we'll see you there. Alrighty. Bye. Bye. We love you. Is that it? We love you. Bye. We love you. Bye, bye. Bye.